Welcome to Orange Futures, an NBA podcast with Chris and not Ben. He's away with deeply, deeply personal matters. Don't ask him about it. He will kill you. But it's okay, everybody. I've got a very, very special guest. Evan, one of my closest friends, NBA threader, Thunder superfan. Evan Cook, how are you, buddy? I'm doing really well, Chris. How you doing, buddy? Wonderful, man. Thank you so much for being here, hey, allowing man, us I'm... to have an episode that's not just me blathering this week. Hey, I appreciate you. And this is my first NBA podcast. It's my first podcast ever. So oh, that's uh, great. That's great. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, you're doing great, buddy. This is just premium content <laughs> here on the Orange Futures podcast. Okay. So... Evan, you and, I, you and I have had many, many, many arguments about basketball. Like many, a lot. We've worked together. We've lived together. We've worked multiple jobs together, careers together, matter of fact. We used to fight about basketball constantly. But did either of us ever just sock the other in the jaw for doing what it do? You know, I, I think we've gotten close, but I think because... <laughs> I think because we are responsible, mature adults, oh, we, I see. we've been able to uh, not resort to violence in order to get our point across. Well, unlike us, Draymond Green back in the news, everybody. What the heck, man? What can you do with this guy? He he literally, I think he delivered a an Eddie Kingston style spinning back fist. Uh, last night to one of the NBA's largest players. Nurkic is not a small man. No, no. And what it looked like he was trying to exaggerate contact for a foul or something. I mean, or, he's or do you always, think he was like, I don't know with him anymore. It feels like he do, does these things on purpose. I mean, I mean, clearly he does, but we're, we're talking about a, a, an athlete, a grown man, one of the, in one of the most difficult sports to play. And he's pretending he has no control over his limbs. He kicks people on the crotch. He hits them in the face. He puts them in chokeholds. Are we pre- like he pretends like it's somebody else doing it? Like he's a marionette. Constantly. He's he's been a victim the entire time. I mean, I will say though, he is one hundred percent goaded for socking Jordan Poole in the face. <laughs> I can't. I can't condone it. What are you but talking about? I can't condone it, but uh, I think there's a lot Jordan of Jordan Poole. Look at how Jordan Poole's disrespecting the game in Washington and tell me he didn't deserve that. Okay, no one deserves to get hit in the face. I'm I'm a very sarcastic person. Um, this is this is a joke, obviously, but goodness gracious, Draymond Green. Uh, okay, uh, let's let's put this topic to bed. Does he get suspended for this one? Yes or no? Yes. And if it's anything less than eight games, it's a joke. There you go. I mean, might as well be a joke because Draymond is a clown. Evan, you have recently found a little bit of success on NBA threads. A little bit of success. It's a great community there. So, so pitch me and the listener on NBA threads. You don't really need to pitch me. I'm there. I'm just such an infrequent poster. Nobody notices. You know, I notice. I always like your posts, buddy. I'm always there for you. Um, but I think Threads was born out of the toxicity and the and the awfulness that is Twitter, right? Uh, and that's only getting worse. Um, so uh, a few months ago, I don't even remember exactly what 
what th- what awful thing Elon Musk did that that was the final straw for me. I don't even mm-hmm. remember. It was about five months ago. I don't remember what it was, but that's when I knew for sure. And I had a I had a decent following of of NBA people there, but I couldn't. And you'd been you'd been working on it for a bit and had been had been yeah finding yeah finding some numbers there. I'd noticed before I got off Twitter. Yeah, and I I, I really I mean, there's a great community of, of people who post there and they still do. Sadly, a lot of them are still there. The NBA insiders, the analysts, the podcast, the people that are in the know until the analysts, players, like the personalities, the, the, the blue checks migrate, then everyone else is going to, I think they're just afraid of losing their following. They're afraid of losing their audience. And and it's understandable because it also took them many years to Mm -hmm. build that following. And you know, what I found on threads, the people that came over there at first were corporations and influencers who were looking yeah. for another place to get their revenue stream. Well, you got to get it on the ground floor, baby. And it was, it was a dead zone for the first few months I was there. I was posting and there was just, there were no communities. There was no engagement. And now when I look at it now, I mean, this is a community that's grown a lot, especially yes. since the NBA season has started and it's still in its infancy, but the engagement is much better. It's much more positive. It's less toxic. It's less spam posting. I haven't been yelled at by a Houston Rockets fan on threads once yet. And it's kind of making me feel a little weird. Yeah. Because I mean, you love to troll the Houston Rockets. It's one of your, that. No, no, you love, I, I am an impartial observer (laughs) here on the orange futures podcast. And I love the Houston Rockets. Uh, All right. Did that hurt you to say that out loud? I feel like. Uh, was... What are you talking about, man? <laughs> it's a little strain. A little strain in your voice. I'm doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's just it's a positive community, man. It's really it's been nice, and uh, it's growing a lot. And um, ever, to everyone that's following me now, uh, I appreciate you, and and hopefully it continues an upward trend. I mean, it's been fun, man. Great, great. So everybody join threads or something. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Ja Morant's coming back, man. Jaw's coming back sometime, I think, early next week. I theoretically, believe, I believe he has three more games, something uh, like that, to serve. They're six and 16, if I'm not mistaken. How much is he going to help? How much is his. I mean, they're they're still going to lose, man. That team's got so many holes that are not John Morant size. So that's not even a question here. I, I don't think they're going to be that good. How much does this stain Jaws standing in the league that not only is he messing around with guns and being dumb on socials and seemingly doesn't have much respect for his own career at this point. So now he's going to be losing for the first time. How does this affect everything? Uh- well, that's a that's a that's an excellent question to start off with. I and I think I have that written down in my notes, and it just says Jaws return does not fix this team. Mm. They are no, it they, doesn't. They are flawed and in such a way in that I mean, Brandon Clark is still suffering from a torn Achilles. Stephen Adams out for the year. Get well soon, Steve-O. We love you. We do love Steve-O. We will never Steve-O, love Steve-O. on the podcast next week to talk about his injury. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> and uh i don't i mean jaw doesn't fix all the issues with this team and to be honest with you this is the first time that anybody has asked me about memphis all year long 
Not well, one question. No one's talking about this team. That's what you get on the Orange Futures podcast, the premier NBA podcast. It's true. You know, it's it it sucks because there are there are some good things about this team. I mean, Desmond Bain, if I'm looking at my notes here. Triple J, man. That guy's awesome. Triple J of. is great. Let me ask you a question before he's got to be Desmond yeah. Bain talk. Why can't he grab a rebound? He's not a rebounder, dude. He's not a five. It's okay. It's it's time to quit worrying about what he is not and see what he is and accentuate that. That's why they miss Steven Adams so much. Sure. That's why I, that's why a guy like uh, who was it they brought in off the street? Was it Mo Bamba? Bismack Biombo. It was Bismack. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's why he can slot right into their starting rotation and look okay. It's because Triple J's that good at what he does, but he's acutely not good at what he's not good at. And, um, you know, I like him a lot, dude. Uh, I really, really do. But yeah, he's not a perfect player. I Bismack Biombo leads the team in rebounding at seven rebounds a game. He would also lead the thunder in rebounding. So really it's okay. That's okay. Uh, I do want to talk about Desmond Bain though. Who's having a quietly good year. You know, a lot of people were very skeptical of the extension that he received Desmond Bain this year, 24.6 points, 5.1 rebounds. 4.4, I'm sorry, 5.1 assists, 4.4 rebounds. And he's shooting 47, 39, and 86 on his shooting splits. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's a really nice season for a team that is 10 games under 500. And, and, they're, only, their, and they're only above the Spurs in the standings. And he's their what? Their number one option since? He, uh, I mean, there's nobody else who's been there's there. There's no I mean, one else. Marcus Smart has played 11 games or 12 games, I believe. Um, Adam's out for like the year, like we said. Clark, no timetable on his return. I mean, they are, they're a team that's struggling. And they, they're not as... They're not as deep as they once were. It's not the right year to be pulling a Spurs here trying to get Tim Duncan. It's just not. There's yeah, no Timmy in this draft. No. It's it's a rough time for the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, you gotta remember two years ago, this was the NBA darling. Oh, I, I mean, remember. They've Taylor Jenkins wins coach of the year. They have a, a hard fought battle with the Warriors and a playoff they're, series. Where they're they fine in the games. West. They're fine. I mean, Jaws on an MVP track. Everybody's, you know, they're, they're, everything about him was all superlatives. It was like, man, this guy is so good. He's good at everything. He's a great passer. He's a great teammate, you know, that he's trying to get people involved in the offense, even though he's clearly the star of the show. And all these good things, all superlatives. And now when you look at this team, I, I I mean, not only is no one talking about them, I I don't even have a reason to other than Desmond Bain just like quietly putting together a fantastic year that no one's going to care about. Uh, we care. I mean, I care about, keep, I, I like keep, Desmond Bain. I like him a keep lot. Keep going. Keep on going, Desmond. Yeah. I you mean, got this, man. Uh, I did see a report from Bon Temps. Uh, he said that Adam Silver will meet with John Morant before his return. I and saw he, that too. It feels, it feels kind of like a nothing burger, man. Like, how much has Adam Silver held anybody's feet to the fire and just believed whatever they've said? Um, it's it, the meeting is is nothing. It's just to say they did it. There's nothing going to come from it. It's just I. What is this program that? Exactly. John Morant is in because exactly because it's Adam Silver all... said he wants to see that the program is working, and I would love to know 
what program he's in and how can we, how fast can we get Draymond Green a slot in the program? What if we had Draymond Green lead the program? It's like uh, when like inmates teach classes to other prisoners. Exactly, dude. Like, here's what not to do. Follow my lead. I mean, it's going great for Draymond. He's barely gets punished for any of this crap. Uh, He's won championships. He's gotten paid. His podcast is great. He's uh he's got his extension do? already. Unlike Clay Thompson, he's uh he's got. They're paying Draymond until he's thirty six at twenty five million a year, and this is the first year of that contract. It's not going to get better. I don't, I don't know that this is the time to get into the sinking the Titanic. That Charles is Parkland the Golden said. State Warriors. Hey man, he was right. And as awkward and awesome as that moment was, uh, he was right. And I know that, you know, someone that was in the middle of it and is still friends with and still remembers all that time fondly and probably believes the team still has it in them. Doesn't want to hear it, but it's the truth. The truth is also they've been bad at drafting and bad at developing too. It's true. I mean, the two timelines thing didn't work. Um, and it was I'll, never going to work. There's been a lot of questions about Steve Kerr's rotations and all that stuff. I know we've gotten very far away from Memphis, but it kind of, it always comes around to golden state, doesn't it? It can. It always does. It will. But uh, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's an old story, but they're going to be suffering with it for the next four years. Cause two years ago, I said on Twitter, you think Draymond Green is bad now? Wait until his physical skills oh. start to really diminish. And then you're going to see what person, what kind of person he really is when he can't stay in front of people, when he can't de- intimidate the way he used to, when he can't defend the way he used to, he's going to start doing some dirty, dirty stuff. He's always been dirty. And it's going to get worse. It's so interesting too to juxtapose his play and his attitude on the court with how he acts off of it. He's usually for the most part, he's usually pretty calm collected saying exactly what he wants to say, whether it's the right thing or not. He's extremely well-spoken and articulate. Absolutely. Um, clearly an extremely smart guy. You don't, you don't be as good as you are with Steph Curry, like this ultimate two man tandem on offense with, by being dumb. I mean, you, you can make the same argument that like people always throw at Draymond. That's, you know, what would he be without Steph? But you can make the same argument the other way. I agree with I'm Steph needed 100% Draymond. With Steph and Clay needed Draymond just as I mean big time. I want to make sure that people understand that we are not this isn't about Draymond Green, the basketball player, who you and I both like. Defensive player of the year. Yeah. Uh, one uh, like a genius basketball level person. Dude, listening to him talk about pick and roll is nuts. Yeah. He's he his screen setting, his passing, yeah. his conducting of the offense. Yeah. All of it's brilliant. This is about Draymond Green the the human being the person and, the on-court and, persona that he and, is. and what is it man is it is he just got the the adhd rage is he just never been has like something doesn't go his way and he just lashes out is he, i think i think that's is it, it the grayson is you know grayson allen syndrome you know i i truthfully believe that he just, just lose never, themselves he's never been in a position where he had to like face his own basketball mortality and yeah. i think I mean, cause he's never suffered a major injury. He's never had to come back from any, like he's had mm. some, like he's never s- suffered setbacks. He's known success pretty much the entire time that he's been in the NBA. So this is his first time dealing with, with, um, with 
Adversity. Adversity. That would be the right word. I mean, yeah. they had, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't sound like Joe Dumars is putting up with uh, too much of his stuff anymore either. So speaking of success, what was up with the Pelicans in the in-season tournament? <laughs> that, I mean, they, they made it pretty far. But that game, uh, they against, did that come game on, against the dude. Lakers. Uh, that well, game was clearly a yeah. We got the money. We got all the money we need. We're good. You know, I know this is the part where I'm supposed to make fun of you for liking the Pelicans, but buddy, I like the Pelicans too, dude. That roster's so stacked. They've got so many long, lengthy defenders. Uh, some that can shoot the ball really well. Uh, Alvarado is a menace. Yeah. I mean, B.I. is pretty cold. I think B.I. is legitimately a number two on a championship team. I think uh, he's I, could see I think it. he's that good. He's, Zion he's just, talented. Zion uh, just be eating the table, man. And then and then what does he do? Last I know. Night? Well, he drops drops 30. The other drops 36 points the other night. But is that what it takes? Is and, that what and, it takes and, is being embarrassed on national TV and being embarrassed in the NBA media for you to take a game serious? I was is that like, is that what it takes to get Zion to be Zion? Like, come on, man. You are poised to be one of the top five basketball players of all time. Like maybe not longevity of career because you're so dependent on your athleticism, but your peak can be higher than we have almost ever seen. And he's just, nah, man, give me that gumbo. Everything was pretty set up for him. I mean, the national TV schedule was centered around him, not John Morant. You have to remember that know, draft. Man. It was not about John Morant. It was we about Zion saw, We barely saw Jaw on national TV that year. Exactly. While he was this, taking this, them on an improbable playoff uh, playoff berth. Yeah. I mean, this was the league was set up on a silver platter to be given to Zion. And every time I'm ready to say, I'm done with this, like I'm done with Zion. Like I understand what he could be and what he has been at his peak when he's played well, he's unstoppable and unstoppable offensive force. But I watched, I have watched way too much of players just blow by him on the defensive end and him give no effort, him being out of shape, him being like, look, man, I'm not going to make, he literally doesn't, he literally doesn't sprint. He doesn't sprint. Unless he has like a line drive at a dunk and cutting down the lane. It's the only, the only time, time you'll ever see those, him it's, turn And on it's on. just for two steps. And it's two steps. It just it's shows so you explosive. how. And that's how explosive he is. He doesn't have to sprint. He can just decide to take two quick steps and be faster than everyone else on the court. It's so annoying. Is it? Is it to his detriment that he's always been this athletic? It is 100% what it is. He has never been challenged truly before. That's what I'm saying. I feel like this is the first time that he has ever been in a position where there are other people. I don't really know if anybody can match his, his speed at his size. Right. But he's in a place with the, with, with some of the other greatest athletes in the world. And he's finding out that it's not, it's not all, you know, rainbows and butterflies. It's, it's going to be hard work and he's not willing to put that work in. Doesn't feel like he is right now. And I don't know if that's, I mean, ultimately it's a failure to himself because he is a professional. He is an adult. He owes it to himself as well as those that invested, you know, the organization that invested in him. But at some point too, man, you know, where, where are the Pels at fault with this? You know, how long have they been coddling him or, or not, you know, did they take the wrong approach and take too long to change? 
should there have been coaching changes? Should they have built the built the team different? I don't know, man. I I don't know about the internal workings of the of the Pelicans organization. I don't know how they've handled him. Um, Me either. This is all rampant speculation. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you know, I've seen we you and I uh, when Oklahoma City when they first their first iteration of their team, mm-hmm. we saw how the Oklahoma city thunder coddled Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and shielded them from scrutiny, shielded them from media questions. Correct. And, and, and they did a lot of that. Does it feel like that to you? Cause I don't feel like they're shielding him. I just feel like he's, he's always got, he's just, it, he's always hurt. Why so. are people always <laughs> leaking stories about him? Cause there's stories to leak. That's what I'm saying. But like, it feels like nobody has his back in the sense of like, Oh, he, well, he doesn't garner that kind of loyalty where it's like, Hey, we can't talk about our franchise guy like that. Well, it sounds like it's difference. coming from inside the house. The call's coming from inside the house. That's Absolutely. what it sounds like. Because here's the big difference. KD and Russ might not have ever been close friends. KD may have never had anyone on those teams that he connected with on a personal level, but he showed up and worked. Russell showed up and worked. He has always everybody worked. worked their tails off. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harden worked his tail off. Like everybody on those teams, that's how you stayed on those teams. Mm-hmm. That's how you got to see the floor on those teams. It's just clear that Zion isn't putting in the work, and that's you know that's his decision. I'm not here to say what he has or shouldn't or can't do or whatever, but. If I'm a Pelicans fan or part of the Pelicans organization, I'm definitely noticing this. I'm definitely wanting to move on from this. So, so you're I think saying, I you're think saying, they should have traded. I think they should have traded him this offseason, personally. So you're saying you're ready to move on? They should have been. They should be ready to move on. Zion is is exactly who he is showing you he is. Believe him when he tells you. Where do you see him going? New York, do obviously. You, I was I was just about to push back on that because if you think. That Would it be a good trade? That he can't no. handle the scrutiny of the media in New Orleans. I know. He will get destroyed in New York. I'm aware. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. I'm just a truth teller, baby. I, I'm just I, a truth teller. I would teller. be very concerned for his mental well-being. You should be concerned for his, his career as it stands now. You should be concerned for his career now. Every time I want to write him off, Chris, he comes back and shows me something where I'm just like, I can't I know. let He's, it go. He's a generational talent. He's, He's truly, so good. Truly He's so talented. And I want to see him succeed because it's fun when a guy like that is just doing things that you're like, I don't even know what you're supposed to do whenever he's, whenever he's a full go. It's there's no stopping it. And I mean that offense, that, yeah. that whole offense when he's going and he's driving is just and when he's kicking out more specifically, when he's, moving the ball just just a little bit, that offense is nuts. Well, and the offense is good. The problem, I would say, is that they have one player on their team, on their starting lineup, that is Uh-oh. a good defender. And it's Herb Jones. If you... I want you to talk crap on CJ McCollum because I want Ben to to materialize out of nowhere and just beat the heck out of both of us. You know, I was gonna say something. I know how big of a fan Ben is of CJ McCollum. He loves CJ. It's dude. a it's a. I did not like that fit, and I still don't like it. I and, I'm with you, but that I mean, look, that mustache is good. That is a handsome man. It's I get true, it. but your second best defender in your starting lineup cannot be Jonas Valanciunas. It can't. preach, brother. It can't. 
God, what a huge dude, man. Yeah. I mean, everyone thought the Steven Adams in New Orleans thing didn't work, but like Jonas, who's been good, by the way, don't let me, yeah. don't turn, I'm not turning this into a dump on, but at least Steven Adams, he anchors a defense. Jonas Valanciunas is just doing but Jonas has more the than he's ball. ever done. Yeah, but I'm talking about defensively. He's doing yeah. more than he's ever done because he has to. Because no one else on that team is defending but him and Herb Jones. It's true, man. It's it's, true. it's a fun offense to watch. But is this a is? But I think okay, this let's is a, let's put a bow on this Pell's talk with this right here. Let's do it. Where? What's the top end for this team? What is? Like, what's their ceiling? What's their ceiling? I could see them being a top four or five team if they I think put it all together. I think it's I think it's bottom end of the playoffs. So you think Not it's more like six? Five or six, yeah. Five or six? Okay. Yeah. I'd say four or five. And if because I've seen it when they put it together, it looks good. And it's something it's really, then, really nice. And and Herb Herb I love Herb. I know. And he defends Shea Gilgis Alexander better than anybody in the league. I don't and, think there's uh, anybody. It's him and Andrew Wiggins and like uh, Jaden McDaniels, maybe Jaden's tough. Well, because yeah. he's six ten. Oh yeah, and he, no, and he can move good. with Shea, so he's got four inches on him, and he can Ugh. move. But yeah, there's nobody better. Herb Jones is an all defense guy. Mitchell Robinson is out for eight to ten weeks. This is brutal. Tough loss. I love Jalen Brunson. I do not love the Knicks as much as my co-host Ben loves the Knicks, but well, Ben's wife loves the Knicks. But I kind of like the Knicks. I and I'm loath to admit it because James Dolan, Knicks fans, just generally, you know, everything's a, about the Knicks all the time. That's fine. There's just a lot of you. So it gets it gets overbearing. But I like Mitchell Robinson, especially yes. on this team. And I hate that he's out. How are they going to weather this? Relying on Isaiah Hartenstein? Which not a bad backup center to have. It's not a bad backup center to have, but then who's playing center in those backup minutes? Do you just do you just roll without one? I, I, it's it's really difficult for them because they. I mean, what Mitchell Robinson provides is the, oh, the offensive rebounding in and of itself. The energy that he has on the on the rebounding and on the defensive side of the ball, and he's somebody who doesn't need the ball to be productive. He's, he is an he's, anchor. He, and he's a throwback in that kind of way. He's just, he's such a huge guy. And he's, he's a more, good, he's, and he's a good guy. Yeah, I know. It's pretty God, cool, right? I mean, is he the captain of the good hangs all-star? I don't team? know. He's got, he's got too many, he's got too many pets. I would hang out with, the, with those dogs. Oh, I'd hang out. I, I would hang out with them, but I worry about, you know, 14, 15, 16 dogs and then other exotics. That's, that's just a lot of pets, man. It's a lot. Just, but he's he seems like a good hang. I'll bet he's the best hang and I wish him so well on his eight to 10 week projected recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Knicks fans hang in there. I, I don't know I, though, man. I really don't know because like defensively, um, you're not getting a lot, um, out of Brunson who like, he tries hard, but he's just undersized. You've got Josh Hart. Who's maybe the, like one of the best, like switchable, guards for defense and he also i mean i i've heard some reports that he wants his offensive role to change but uh he's not a guy who demands the ball trouble brewing huh trouble Uh, in paradise it seems like hart and quickly want to see a little bit more clarity on what their offensive role is 
they seem to just stand around a lot. They're not really sure what to do with themselves. Yeah. Um, well, so we'll see, we'll see how Jericho Sims does. I, I'm pretty high on Jericho Sims, just of pure athleticism. This could be his break. This could be the, uh, the chance he needs to establish himself. I would love to see that man, because I think Sims, he's, he's, athlete, he's got the athletic ability. Does he have the instincts and the effort to track down rebounds, play a role and do what oh. the team needs. We to, know Tib, we know Tibbs won't be playing him if he doesn't. Eight to ten, eight to ten weeks is such a brutal stretch, man. Dude, because and, you and have it's to. This imagine. part of the year too, right? This is the part of the year where you you build that cushion that gets you into the playoffs and gets you through the dog days right before the All Star break, things like that. This is when you're building that cushion. This is where right. you're beating up on teams still figuring it out or that have yet to make that trade or still have Zach Levine on the team. They can't win if they play him, you know, you know and stuff the- like that. And and now it's, it's just going to be a tougher slog for them. A team that's already missing, you know, a go-to star. We'll see if Brunson can develop into that, but yeah, I mean, it's this just, it's tough. You're right. It's a terrible time of the year. I mean, the Knicks are in sixth. They're right in the hunt. Uh, for all this stuff, they could, I, I had New York, I think is a, uh, in the preseason, I had them as a top four seed I th- in the East. I think you did too. And the East is no slouch. So to lose a guy no, who top end is, of the East is great. It's yeah. And to lose a guy that's as critical as Mitchell Robinson is like, you look at his raw numbers and you can say, well, that's not that big of a loss. It's not, it's not what you see in the raw numbers. That guy's, that guy's offensive rebounding prowess his his energy his, I mean, his honestly, willingness to sacrifice for the team his size and toughness alone he's just a huge they presence. need it they need yeah. it because isaiah I mean, hartenstein is a nice offensive i've never seen him like i think he's a uh slightly above average defender sure but he's, but he's, but not, he's not a rim protector and he's yeah he's not a game-changing shot altering i don't see it defender no. So yeah, uh, Hartenstein and Sims. I don't know. I mean, maybe they could take a a, a ten day contract or or maybe a, a veteran minimum for someone like a Nerlens Noel, some guy that's standing on the free agency on the side and just like he's just there to get rebounds and defend. You you, you have him as a backup. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Stonehands Nerlens. I'm not sure that's Nick's. Be. Nick's might have PTSD about the contract they gave him already, so they might uh, not want him back. But yeah. if you get him that's back rough. on the veteran minimum for two million, well, let's see. Or that perhaps they could try to make a trade. So I don't want to do a full, you know, kind of buyer sellers thing. That feels like almost a whole episode. But just give me, give me one team or player that you are excited to either see move get destroyed or see them make a move uh how do you like like the team to make a move like make a trade any i just want to know your most interesting team whether it be a buyer or seller or even most interesting player in this upcoming trade season this trade season's feeling very murky to me so far um just searching for a little clarity here you know, if I had to pick one team that I'm super interested in, I'm and I think the players on that same team, I'm going to go with the Raptors. Okay. Uh, and, Pas- and, Pas- and Pascal Siakam. Uh, big shout out to listener Leo. This is your Raptors segment, buddy. Yeah. All right, Pascal, let's go. Pascal Siakam. Um, it seems like... You know my feelings. I, I do. Uh, it feels like Masai 
is, has a very high expectation for what he wants in return for somebody like Pascal Siakam. I think Masai falls in love with his own assets a little much. And I, do, I don't I do think too. that's necessarily a bad thing. Okay. I think, I think he just needs to dial that back just, just a hair. And I think the, the, the Raptors will be much better served. I know we in Oklahoma city tend to fall in and, and Presti values his bench guys higher than anyone else values them in the league or else he'd tr- be trading. People would be trading for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just not a thing that happens. And and I think the same thing's happening here with Masai, but what Masai has failed to realize is that the, the expiration date on this team was a season and a half ago. Yeah. He could have blown Maybe it up two then. seasons ago. He could have blown it up then. Actually, he could have blown it up when he drafted Scotty. I don't know that they need a full blow up. And goodness gracious, Scotty Barnes is so freaking awesome. Love, love everything about guy, the dude. way he plays. Love everything about I him. I love that guy. Yeah, big fan. But, you know, so, so... So it's Pascal that needs to move for you. Well, so the reason that I feel that way is that I think that clears up the clutter about whose team it is. So we're moving forward with, this is Scotty's team. Because Pascal is like, I've won a championship here. I've made an all-NBA team here. I have been the man things. here, and I deserve, I think, a little bit of respect, which he does. However, it's also time for them to just move on. I, I I feel like when you, they're just two in the middle and I don't like they're nine and 14. It's like where, like if I, I hold on, let me make sure that I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to give them their full due. Yes. They're nine and 14. So I want to make sure they're 12th in the East. Dennis Schroeder been kind of nice for them. Been a nice player. He's, he was always going to be nice for them. Because Dennis Schroeder is just, in fact, nice. I, I fully agree. But they seem to be kind of just in between two teams. I don't think that you need to give up on Ananobi. I think you can expand his role once Siakam is not there. I think that you can give him, you can properly pay him as well. Um, and I think you hand the keys to Scotty Barnes and you just say, we, we, we might be a little bit bad this year, you know, without having Siakam around, you're going to lose some games. You're going to, but going into next season, you have, depending on the Siakam return, obviously what they get for him in the trade, um, you have the opportunity to start building around Scotty Barnes and his skill set, And he is flourishing already. And that's time to just hand him the keys. Well, Not to mention, I think you'd free up some developmental minutes for Grady Dick. Whether that works out or not, um, no matter what your feelings on Grady are, you need to at least get him out there and see what you've got. Absolutely. You've got to figure out what he can do, what he can't do, what is possible for him to improve into, and what he just needs to forget about. And the only way for that to happen is to get him on the court more, give him more opportunity, more opportunity to mess up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, I think it's time to move into maybe, maybe you trade for draft assets and a young, you know, projected kind of starter type player with Pascal and just kind of start switching into not blow it up, but you know, Spurs style experimentation because the Spurs aren't tanking. They're just experimenting. Definitely not tanking. Yeah. So before, before I ask you about your most interesting team uh-huh. or most interesting player, 
let me ask you, where do you think Pascal Siakam ends up? Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on it? Truly? I have no idea. Um, I know the Lakers are going to at least sniff around and explore the fit and explore that option. I don't I, know. I, I hate to say it. I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks are going to look, look, I, every, every team's going to look who needs him. I have no idea. I think it's golden state. Oh, that might, that might be a they, good idea. Because I mean, I think you can get off clay's contracts. You can, I think that I know that like that sounds sacrilegious to a lot of, um, you know, warriors fans who we got to be, pra- you, we got to start being pragmatic. Be pragmatic. If you have, if you're going to maximize Steph Curry's like the, the tail end of his prime, you have to do it now. And if and they've got young players, they've got picks, they can do this. They have not been very pragmatic through the years. They've done a lot of things on feel goods and, and it's worked because Steph Clay and Draymond were literally that incredible. Okay. Yes, absolutely. But we, those days are gone. And now we have to be a regular NBA franchise again. We, we the, we have to do things not light years ahead anymore. Okay. You're only a Steph Curry ahead now and everything else is gone. Yep. So I'm just, that I, organization bugs the piss out of me, dude. I, <laughs> uh, you know, when I look at, you know, how valuable warriors picks might be in a couple of years, whenever all, when Steph's finally done, if they get some oh, yeah. future first from the, from the warriors and then you've got Kaminga Moody, Guys that they, that other teams would find interesting or like, I think the Raptors would be more interested in Moody. You throw in Moody, Clay, a few draft picks, and maybe some swaps to get Siakam. I think you've. I think that's the way you can maximize the window around Steph and make one more run at it. Uh, yeah, I just think I think it's time for the Raptors to to pick I, a side here. I agree. It's they've been fence sitting for way too long. It, it feels like they have. It's it's time to do something one way or a tother. Yeah. Well, let me ask you. You have a team or a player that uh I have a team. Okay. And it's the Hawks. Mm. Are they buyers or are they sellers? I don't know. And here's the thing, I think they're both. That's so weird. Look, man, they've got to do something, okay? So you've got, ostensibly, you've got your stars in Trey and DeJounte. Yeah. You've got a really nice young backup center. You've got some players. I mean, there's players on this team, some good players on this team. Uh, Guys I like. But it's not working. So what do you do? Which way do you take it? Do you have to stick with Trey and DeJounte? Probably. Can't trade Ice Trey, right? Can you not? I mean, you can. We can as yeah. just guys, yeah. you know, talking. Um, can I they? Don't, I don't They're, see I a mean, they sell, they sell tickets based on this guy. This is the man that moves their merch. This is the man that moves their it's true. everything. It's, it's harder to trade him than just saying you got to trade him, even though I mean, they clearly made the wrong call, but I, I just don't see a path forward. I don't either. With, the, with so, this current iteration of the team. So I think you trade off some assets, not necessarily for picks, 
I mean, picks in there somewhere. Maybe maybe you get some uh, some picks to go out and buy another you know, high level role player. Yeah, you got to remember what they next gave up year or this off season. They gave up a lot. They gave up so a maybe lot. you just restock the cupboard a little bit. Let this year play out. Try to get some developmental minutes for some of your younger players. I mean, is AJ Griffin still not playing? Oh, yeah. Is he is he still not seeing the floor? Like that, that's rough. It is rough. Let's get Buffkin out there. Let's see what he can do, man. I really like Buffkin. I think they've just gone because they've gone so veteran heavy because they think that they're well, that they can compete. And right now they're Quinn just Snyder's not. gonna want to win. Quinn Snyder know? didn't come there to babysit a team that's nine and thirteen and just they've lost four in a row. They're not even they're not even like they're not even really competing. Every time I look at them, I just get this shoulder shrug that happens. It doesn't feel like they have much heart, does it? I keep circling back to that same proposed trade, the cat and Trey swap. I keep circling back to it. It's making more sense to me now that cats yeah. playing as well as he is this year. It's been amazing. He's been really, he's, he's really fulfilled a lot of that potential in a, in a lot of ways, or at least started going down the path towards it. They and, really figured out the go bear the defensive minded center next to the sure. yeah. offensive minded uh, other center who they've stuck at the four. It's looking good right now. Well, and see, I think it addresses think. needs for both teams. I was going to say, and it might address some needs for Trey young learning yeah. how to play off of uh, an aunt Edwards and not be the main, the man on the team. I'm not sure he's going to be able to take that. Well, so from Minnesota's perspective, Mike Conley has one more partially guaranteed year and he is 36 years old. Mm-hmm. And with the money that they have going out and contracts to Jaden McDaniels, to Anthony Edwards, to Rudy Gobert, you're not going to be able to, you don't have time to draft and develop a point guard and you don't have assets to trade for one unless you're giving, unless you're sending out cat because you, yeah, I mean, they're paying cat an insane amount of money too. You know, Cat's going to be getting $61 million in the year 2027. Yes, he makes a ton of money, but I do want to push back on this a little bit. The Timberwolves look great this year. Yes, they I'm are, not saying that. They are, they, they they are stomping people, man. They're just... No, this is, this is, a, this is a tax bill issue. You I know, understand, they, but they, I think they, you... They have to I, send it out. It's, they can't afford it. Yeah, I think you, I think you run with this team this year and make this, make this big cat trade in the off season. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Uh, this is how I circle it back to Atlanta. Okay. Is that I don't think Atlanta makes a move now. I think they just kind of chug along with what they have and maybe they make some minor roster adjustments, maybe a small trade here or there, but I think they have to gear up for the idea of breaking up this DeJounte Trey thing. And the best, it, I think that trade it sends Trey to Minnesota where you, they need a point guard very badly, a point guard for the future. And they have Ant McDaniels and Gobert on the backside defensively covering up for any of Trey's uh, inability to guard on the perimeter. 
So all he's got to worry about is the offensive side of the ball and distribution. And he's going to have a lot of people to pass to. On the other side, you get you got you got a defensive-minded Hawks team with DeJounte, Clint Capella, Okongwu. Well, DeJounte's not exactly a defensive-minded guy this year. Well, not so much since he's been in Atlanta. But if you put him back in the way that he was when he was playing with the Spurs and you get Cat out there, who's out there anchoring the offense and putting up buckets and taking the taking pressure off of DeJounte to score, he can go back to playing the way he did in San Antonio, which is like more defensive minded. He could, uh, you know, assuming he wants to, and will do that. Sure. I'm just always, I'm always skeptical on these things. I, I, that's the only thing I can think of to do with the Hawks. It's the only thing that like, because right now they just don't make sense and they don't do anything for me. Well, what about packaging Kobe Bufkin, AJ Griffin, Clint Capella and going and getting something. It depends on who it is. I mean, that's, that's the question is I haven't done, I haven't done enough digging onto who's available and who, who they could go get or what contracts fit into that price, that, that range. But that's one of the reasons this whole trade season seems so murky to me is there's not many obvious, well, you know, who's going to get this guy or, 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 They've got to, they've got to make a move of some sort, you know, you yeah. can name a couple here and there, but all the ones I can think of, I can just see those teams saying, eh, you're not offering enough. So we'll just sit. It definitely does feel to me that it's more like uh, there's not a star or like somebody who's upset or wants out I mean, of the current situation. It feels like a lot of friends just, trading. Just, I mean, outside of Chicago. Yeah. Is that, I mean, Levine and Levine Rosen a star? are not a star I don't know. to me. That just doesn't like, he doesn't move the needle. And like, I really feel like the only, there's, there's so many places that Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan can go and they don't make sense on those teams. They only like Miami, Zach Levine does not fit the way Miami plays. Like the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I think you're, I like, I like DeMar with the Lakers. I think it would be so hilarious and awesome. Like, I like I, it a lot. I, I just don't like, he doesn't play any defense and he shoots no. mid range shots. It makes no sense, but he's a master of mid range shots. He's a bucket all this time. When the, when the second unit can't score or whatever, have DeMar out there with him and he just, just let him ISO in the mid. I just, I, every time I think about where DeMar DeRozan can go, I'm just like, I know there's not an obvious, it's not an obvious choice. And Zach Levine, uh, even, even with his contract is such, it's so bad that I just don't know who would want to take it on. What about DeMar to Atlanta? He could definitely help. He could definitely help at least like with a veteran presence. I I just calm the team down. I don't think it makes it worse. I think, I think giving him another scoring option is not a bad idea. I don't, I don't know that it works or is good, but I think it's cool. It's, you know, that's enough of a reason to want to trade to get done. I I'm just think it would you. look cool. I'm telling you. Yeah. All right. Give me your top five Eastern teams, your Eastern power rankings for the week. So these are just power rankings this week, huh? Just power rankings. All right. I like it. All right. You know what I'm going to go with? I'm going to throw you a curveball. I, I, I love this. Number one on my power rankings, I'm going to go with the Orlando Magic. This, huh. this team is fun. Yes, they are. They're eight and two in their last 10. This is a fun team to be around. I hate the, the Paulo Bancaro. It looks like he tweaked his ankle. 
Uh, I don't know. He'll be, he'll be it fine. It seemed like he might be fine. But if you want to talk about who's been the hottest team in the East, it's been them. They're eight and They're two. They're nuts. They're 16 and seven on the season. And to me, Jamal Mosley is the coach of the year. Front runner. He's looking, he's looking like it so far. Yeah. He's getting guys to buy in on a system that has never, that I've never seen in Orlando since Dwight Howard was there. And that's a defensive first system. Jalen Mo, Mo Wagner's hilarious. Yeah. Amazing. Jalen Suggs. Hilarious. Just out that there guy, doing things. That guy has really turned that old career around. I was, I was done. I was out. I was very concerned. I thought he was, I thought he was on the way to Europe. No, sir. I was wrong. I was a fool. He's got Cole Anthony buying in as a six and he's a six man of the year candidate. Cole Anthony's I'll been never, amazing. I'll never forget that Cole Anthony, 15 minutes of fame. Oh, that post game interview was his rookie year. You and I texted it to each other. I think, and we, I think we watched it. it. Oh, it I think wonderful. we watched it together uh, like five times at work that day. You know, this seems like there's a bit of cohesion with this team. That's really starting to matter. Um, they're, they're clicking, they're, they're fighting for each other. And I don't think that you get to, I mean, we're more of a, more than a quarter of the way through the season. I don't think you get to 23 games and you're sitting at 16 and seven. And you say it's fluky. You know, Absolutely not. Th- this isn't like the 10 and three start that Utah jazz had last year before they, before they, you know, lost uh, 42 of their, of, of those, those next games that they had to play. You know, they, they lost 42 of 68 games right after that. You know, they immediately fell off a cliff. This isn't a fluky start. This is a team that's playing defensively minded and they are, they're, they're winning at a level that seems sustainable. I agree with everything you've said. And I still have them at number two. Because you've got the Boston Celtics in number one. Of course I do. do. How can you not? I, I just want to have a little fun. I, no, that's fine. I, I know that the Boston Celtics are the best team in the East. They're the cream of the crop. They, after they made the the pickup of um, uh, Drew Holiday, I I had them as that's my. That was, they became my title favorite. Um, I really didn't. I did not think he was going to go there. It didn't even like the thought wasn't even in my mind. Oh, I definitely thought Boston. he was going to the Clippers. Yep. In my mind, I thought he was. I was like, you know, who makes sense on the Clippers? Is Drew I mean, Holiday. I thought I thought that or Miami, right? Because oh, the, yeah. the Miami thing would have been hilarious. It would have been hilarious if he went to. I think you and I had actually texted yeah. about that. I think oh, we yeah. said like, would have been so, so Drew sick. ends up in Miami after all. Like, what a wild! Would have been so sick. And anyway. then he goes to Boston, and I'm like, that's the table setting point guard I've been saying for years. They needed to, they needed to get that wasn't Marcus Smart. They needed a and, table setter, and, and Drew Holiday is perfect. Przingis has just been. Otherworldly. I mean, the guy is fulfilling all potential. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. It's so fun to watch. He's fit so seamlessly in with the team. It's been insane. I love it. Um, tough to like a Boston sports team, but gosh darn it. You, you know how I feel about Boston sports teams. You know this. I'm, uh, I know. I've, never, I've never been a fan, but do you want to know what the greatest compliment that I can ever give? Uh, Chris stops Porzingis. He was so good that he made me watch the Wizards last year, dude. Hey, I've got a, Wizards I've got a Wizards. I've got a Wizards shirt. Okay, I'm no stranger to the Wizards. Yeah, well, you know, whenever Russell Westbrook went there, you and I uh, will always I support know. Russ. And and I, I, I talked to myself. I've got, into, the, I've got the T-shirt from him breaking the record. <laughs> I, I talked to myself into Daniel Gafford. 
And I thought that. Oh, we both be, did. Yeah, we both did. Big Gafford guy. Uh, but no, like that's how good Christoph Porzingis was. I was like, you know, I don't think it, it, it's, it was never a question of talent with him. It was always a question of health. And then it was always a question of fit. He didn't fit well with Luka Doncic and everyone just said, well, yeah. if you can't play with that guy, then um, you can't play in the NBA because he's a pass. He's a passer. He's a basketball savant. He's brilliant. He's young, all these things. He's also, a heliocent- guy, he's also a heliocentric offense. And that's not easy for a lot of guys to fit in with. Yes, exactly. And that was the point that I tried to make a lot of the time. I was like, he doesn't yeah. fit with, with, with Luka Doncic because he has a difference in opinion and what his role should be. And he, right. and I think Luka wants, wants people who just stand around, get your hands ready. If I hit you with this pass, you better shoot it. Otherwise it's, you know, I'm going one-on-one and, and it's all, it's all um, going to be about, about me and me getting my offense, but I, I conduct the offense for everyone else. All right, so that's your number two. Give me your third team. Okay, my third team. Been a, been kind of difficult to watch, and it kind of takes us into a couple other subjects you and I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you asked me if the Milwaukee Bucks have a Brooke Lopez problem. And it's a question. And I want to be very, very serious here. Brooke Lopez rocks. He's amazing. Okay. Um, I think... The Brooke Lopez problem with this team is Brooke Lopez on defense is a very, very good, very good defender. But he's also having him forces you to play a certain style of defense. And I do not believe that is the style that is going to win them anything with Dame and Giannis as a combo. He uh, has like been drop a, coverage. He's no been a bit switching, of a clog. Yeah. Uh, you know, and not having the athleticism to recover and challenge a second shot type thing is, is really, really tough for a team that doesn't have a very good point of attack defense. So yeah, that is, that is the Genesis. And that's kind of the, the root of my do the bucks have a Brooke Lopez problem question. So please do not read it as Brooke Lopez hate. No, it's definitely not that. It's a question. And I think three years ago, if you make this Dame trade and you have Brooke Lopez. Uh, no problem. This is not a problem. But it's, I think he's being, I think he's being attacked on two sides. One by father time. He's 35 years old and he's not, you know, as mobile as he once was. And the other side that he's being attacked on is that he and Giannis are being stretched to the brink of their defensive abilities because of how bad the point of attack uh, defense mm-hmm. is to your Absolutely. point, because you've started a more offensive heavy starting lineup. You've got Dame Malik Beasley, um, more offensively minded players campaign is now your backup point guard. This is not a good defensive Tough. player. Uh, Bo champ has shown some flashes, not a great defensive player. Uh, I think they're relying on the back line of that defense and it has really, mm-hmm. it has really become a problem. Um, and to be fair, to be fair with a new head coach and a new defense that they threw out 10 to 12 games into the season, they basically go, this isn't working. Can we please go back to what we were doing before this? Yeah. So any defensive metrics that you want to look at, because I checked into this, I was looking up some Brooke Lopez numbers, his, um, uh, his on off 
rating, which was like eight and a half last year. Mm-hmm. It's like 0.5 this year. Yeah. I mean, an eight point swing and his on off numbers is pretty, it's pretty tough. And, and I think that you have you to gotta think out, that'll, that'll balance itself a little bit. Yes. Right. And you have to understand that that defense they were running was really, they were like no more drop coverage. And it was really putting a lot of stress on him because he was basically covering from the three point right. line. He's just the not, rim. he's not the kind of player that can do the, the heavy switching defense. He's just not. And that's okay. Right. It's just, uh, I think that might be the kind of defense they need to be playing. So uh, I'm a little worried, but cautiously optimistic about the Milwaukee Bucks and Dame time. Where did you, uh, uh, where did you have them in your top five? I have them at three as well. Okay. Okay. We're, uh, we're narrowly, narrowly at three. Yes. Well, I mean, I do, I'm sure we're going to agree on the next one then too. Yes. Uh, that's going to be probably the Philadelphia 76ers. The New York Knicks. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. No, nice it's the try. Sixers for nice sure. Try. For sure. Uh, the Sixers. They're looking good, man. They look great. You know what they have? They have a no hard, no problem. That's what they've got. Yeah. Well, they've got a, they've got a bench gang. Yeah. They have a lot of yeah. guys. Roko's back. You know? I love that dude. Bring back the I, process I, Sixers. Why not? They're fun. Bring back well, PJ as long Tucker. As yeah. He's wanting out. He wants out. He wants out. You Let's know, go get him. Bring back your TJ McConnell's. Giddy up. Let's go. It's a fun team. Dude, they're a fun team. And Maxi's emergence has just been nothing short of uh, impressive. It's been awesome. Uh, I had never saw this coming from him and have truly been blown away. He's he's awesome, dude. He's, he just is. He might be one of the he might be the first or second fastest player in the NBA. When he gets a step on you, he's so quick, just dude. kiss it goodbye. He's so fast. And I mean, he's confident. You know, and I have to the one thing that I've always well, I've dumped, I've dumped on Joel Embiid for multiple things <laughs> because I don't like the way he flops. I don't like a guy that's 280 it's, pounds falling on the ground 15 times a game. It's I okay. haven't loved his game, but I respect how good he is. His passing this season is a, it's noticeably much better. I always said that he was not a good facilitator for others. He's a back Turns to the out. basket big. Turns out that he plays, he plays so much better as like a guy at the nail or at the elbow orchestrating the offense than I ever thought he could do. I love watching him and Jokic orchestrate offense. It's really fun. I it's really, really fun. They're both incredibly well equipped, both physically and mentally to do it. They're both extremely smart guys. Absolutely. Basketball geniuses. And they both, but they both play so differently yet commands so much respect. They are offenses among, unto themselves. And so you just get to see these two absolute like otherworldly players orchestrate offense from the same position, often the same spot on the floor. And it looks just so different. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't, I don't versions think this are so fun to watch. I don't think it's a, I'll, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that they are both your uh, or foreign born players. Oh yeah. Whose well, first sport was not basketball because they orchestrate it like from a perspective that's like, it doesn't feel like we're watching the same game that we were like, this isn't the same NBA from 20 years ago, 10 years ago, having guys of this size to be this talented and this have this kind of vision. It's, it's it, awesome. It's so cool. And it's, and you have the vantage point of not having to, 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 you know, you can see the forest through the trees, you know, 
because they are seven feet tall and they can distribute over the top from the side. I mean, they're giant human beings, but they play like point guards with the physicality of a center. It's, it's awesome. awesome. That's why. And you know, you cut the flopping at an Embiid's game and I'm going to call him one. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to cheer for him like anybody else. I just don't stop at the flopping. Stop. Hey, not everybody's perfect. Um, All right. Give me your, give me your fifth and final team in this week's Eastern conference power ranking. My fifth and final team is the Indiana Pacers. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to go chalk with the East. Um, you did a great job trying to, to pump the magic there into the one seed. So commendable, commendable. I tried, but man, the, the top of the East is very, very clear cut right now. I think Milwaukee and Philly are probably the, the closest to, and I don't know that Orlando stays there for forever, but they're clearly the second best team right now. So, but yeah, the, the Pacers fresh off Halliburton's, um, uh, you know, debutante's ball, you know, yeah. Halliburton being introduced to, American high society as a star television star for a week just was everywhere and good for him. He deserves it. He's literally changing the way offense is played by himself. So leads the league in assists. Kudos to you, young man. But yeah, the Pacers, man, you know, if they, if nothing else comes out of the end season tournament, except that it, it puts a spotlight on a team that you wouldn't normally uh, be paying attention to because what are those games if they were not just regular season games? Like, you you know, if if I saw the Celtics lose to the Pacers in in early December, I would have been like, huh, weird game for the Celtics. That's, you know, I guess they'll be back at it tomorrow. There were think pieces about like, what's wrong with Boston after they got smacked by the Indiana Pacers. Nothing, nothing nothing's wrong, wrong Boston. <laughs> but we're, we're putting a spotlight on, yeah. no, on, it's on been, teams that would normally get it. Well, it's it's great and I've I've heard all the hand wringing. I've I've heard all the arguments about why it's not important and you know, a lot from my co-host Ben, but I loved it. It was just fun. I I think it's okay that if if something can just be fun and it gave Halliburton a platform. Yes. Um, it's another feather in LeBron's cap, but more importantly, I think what I'm seeing is these Pacers are starting to dig in and play a little bit better defense. It'd be, you know, I think a big, they're part still of it, not very good at it. I think a big part of it is just, uh, effort. And I think they're starting to get it. Like, see, well, I think that in season tournament really absorbed into their brains fully what it's going to take to win and you yes. know, big props to Carlisle for probably getting that through their heads as well. Um, excellent coach. I love Rick Carlisle. You, you and I, uh, he's one of my favorite coaches. Um, I'm very glad to see them. This team starting to turn it around. I was a little worried that they weren't going to have the patience to let him build what he was building there. And I'm so glad that they have, you know, and now, I mean, he's got Neesmith guarding LeBron James and doing a pretty like admirable job fighting over screens, pressuring the ball. He's got Benedict Matherin putting in. Everyone just thought that was like a, a six man, you know, microwave yeah. scorer kind of guy. Yeah. He's got Matherin at least putting in effort on the defensive side of the ball. He's getting great minutes out of miles Turner. He's, he's it, he found the right role for Obi Toppin. 
that was one of the reasons I think you and I, before we discussed this at the beginning of the year is one of the reasons that I liked the Pacers. I was like, I like the way these pieces fit on this team. And I think Obi Toppin is just a really nice fit for what they're trying to do. And he is, he's been awesome. He's it's good to see yeah. coming out of he's flashing corners threes. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's great. I think just finding somebody, you know, to, to go six and zero oh in the end season tournament is that's a commitment of a, more than a month of concentrated basketball because they were six and zero oh in the end season tournament and they were six and eight otherwise. So it gave them motivation to be more. Um, to be more aggressive, to be uh, a little bit more cohesive in the way that they yeah. they, they played offensively, and and I, I think that really is going to be something. I promise you, after they win a game in the playoffs, when they make the playoffs, because they are going to, after they win a game in the playoffs, they're going to credit, you know, the in season tournament. They're like, yeah, you know, that gave us the feeling of what the playoffs are going to be like, and now we feel like we're battle tested a little bit and we're ready for this moment. I swear to you, you're going to get that quote. Yeah, absolutely. And I really, I'm looking forward to big things from them. Not just this season. I will see how the postseason shakes out for them. Given another year of development, maybe a little bit more tinkering around the edges. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the Pacers are going to be very, very good and very fun next year and for the years to come. All right. Let's get into these Western Conference power rankings quick, and then we'll we'll have to wrap it up. But look, I'm not going to make any bones about it. Um, ben Mitchell, I hate you. Minnesota Timberwolves, number one. I don't think there's any argument there. They're the best team in there the Western Conference. I think they're the best team in the league right now. They're playing the best in the league right now. Yeah. I and, don't. And they're doing it without Jaden McDaniels. Oh, my gosh. He was amazing. Who is going just, to be amazing. I know. I'm going to watch the Thunder and Timberwolves play later this month here in Oklahoma City. Phenomenal. And I'm... Congratulations. I'm just, it's going to be great, but I'm just terrified. You know, it's a good litmus test. And, um, you know, whenever they played them the first time earlier this season, that's the first time that we've seen the Chet, Jalen, J. Will Williams. Yeah. Uh, starting uh, front court weird because they need the size they're going to they're they, going to need the size they have if, to throw Jalen Williams at Gobert and they have to throw Chet at Cat and make life hard on them it's never good for this Thunder team and and I think it's okay that we're talking about them here because they're my number two absolutely I'm right there with um, I I wish I want to put Dallas there but that's at the number two that's yeah I that's like, a, I like we'll that. get there I'm not, I'm not we'll a, get there okay but Oklahoma City I don't think it's good for them to have to change their style of play to suit another team. I think what this team wants to do is force you to change to play with them. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think Minnesota and New Orleans are such horrible matchups mm -hmm. for the Thunder because they are the only two teams in the league that make the Thunder change a lot with how they play, how they rotate, who gets, who gets minutes, you know, rotations, everything go out the window against these two teams mm -hmm. for that reason. You just, 
there's just there's just so much bigger than every other team in the league. I mean, yeah, that's the problem. The the matchups, the matchup issues that they create with the starting lineup that they have. Right. They've got Gobert, Cat, McDaniels, Ant, and uh Mike Conley. They I mean Nuts. that that front line is six ten and above. Or six nine. I think they say that Jamie McDaniels is six nine. I see well, six ten. It's not even just that. Like Cat and Gobert are both big dudes. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not just that they're tall with long arms. They are they big they create guys. they create a matchup problem for everybody. Right. With that with those kind of matchups. But, and that's the thing. The the Thunder are so used to we hadn't had a center until this year for the last three seasons. And, and we still ha- don't have a power Barely, forward. We barely have a center. And yeah. yeah. And he's 207 pounds. Yeah. So he's not, he, I mean, th- that first game against Minnesota, Rudy Gobert abused Chad Holmgren in that first oh, yeah. quarter to the oh, point, yeah. to the point that Mark Dagnall, who most of the time zigs when the other team zags. So if they want to go big, he'll go small and vice versa. He usually likes that. He had to bring in Jalen Williams to keep Chet out of foul trouble and to yep. keep and to to match the size because it was killing us. They were getting so many points in the paint, and that's the thing. They can kill you from the inside and the outside. They have shooters. They're so good. They have shooters. They have guys who will bully you in the paint. Mm-hmm. They can get it either way. They do. They do get it either way. But take solace, rest of the NBA. This team literally cannot stay together more than this season. Yep. So salary cap's a funny thing, man. Salary cap's a funny thing. Now, the next reason I'm a little wary of putting the Thunder at number two, Mm -hmm. I really do believe their three-point shooting might fall down to earth at some point. (laughs) Wait, you're saying that they are not the best three-point shooting team in the NBA? That they may have been the the beneficiaries of some, some ballooned numbers? If this keeps up, they might be the best. I mean, they will be the best three-point shooting team in the NBA. I mean, they've got a few things going for them. It, it really just comes down to how hot does Isaiah, Isaiah Joe stay? And does Cason Wallace continue? I mean, he's not taking a ton of threes, but he's taking sure. good ones and making he them. He takes the right shots. He, and he... He makes them and he's a rookie making them. So I think he's still shooting around like 50% though. I mean, those numbers have to fall to earth unless he's like a 50% three point shooter. I think he's leading the league in like true shooting. He's up there. I mean, something stupid like that. It's ridiculous. You know, the interesting thing about, about that, about the shooting numbers is that they're already starting to come down to earth. You know, Lou Dort, Lou, Lou Dort was at like 49 and a half percent. He's oh, not, yeah, that was he's, never not, he's now shooting 38 and a half percent. Still a nice number. It's a very nice clip for him. If he can maintain it, it's probably going to fall down to 33. Chet but. was shooting over 40. Now he's down to 37%. He's had a bit of, I think, I think if his Chet can stay at 37, 38% all year. Yes. I understand. That, that's huge. His conditioning, I think is starting to catch up to him. He looks a yes. little sluggish in a few games and he's a rookie and he, he sat out like an entire year. Right now. So yeah, yep. he's a little sluggish. They've had some nice breaks. So they've got three days between the game they played on Monday against the jazz and they played yep. Sacramento. So they've, they've been, you know, hopefully getting him some rest and uh, will be helpful to him. Then, you know, and then I don't think Isaiah Joe's numbers are coming down. That guy's, I hope that guy's a lightning rod when he gets into the game. He's got the stroke that gives the good folks of Oklahoma city. Hope Dag- Dagnalt has been checking SGA and Joe in as a tandem. Well, 
Giddy can't play with SGA. It's obvious. Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, past the starting minutes, you just don't see Giddy and SGA in the game at the same time outside of sideline out of bounds opportunities. Yeah. Um, anyway, we could literally do uh, an entirely different podcast every week on the Thunder. So I'm going to move on to sure. my number three uh, in the power rankings. And it's almost two B more than it is three. And that's the Dallas Mavericks. This team is so good. Luca is insane. And I understand Kyrie's going to be gone for a little bit. But here's the thing. Luca is so good. Derek Lively has been so clutch and just, just improved the defense with that rim protection and just an excellent pick and roll partner Absolutely. with Luca. You know, I think this team can weather the Kyrie storm. They're definitely a better team with Kyrie there. And props to Kyrie, man. He has kept his nose clean. He has gone out, he's worked, and he's played hard. He looks good. He looks good. You know, um, Jason Kidd compared Derek Lively to Tyson Chandler, and I feel like it's under, I'm it's under, totally cool with that. I'm cool with it on the defensive side. I think it's Dude, underselling. Tyson. I think it's underselling his offensive capabilities. It, it might be, but but goodness gracious, Tyson Chandler was a force. Loved him. Still do. Oh, you can go back to it. You can go back to his Hornets days. He was just and on his Phoenix days. Dog teams, man. Oh yeah, him on the Hornets is when I was first introduced to Tyson Chandler. Fell in love with him then. Loved him in Phoenix. Loved him in Dallas. You know, he was he was that kind of guy, man. He was a, a, a de, he was a defensive wrecking ball. Mm. And to give Derek Lively that kind of comp is such a high praise for a rookie. Yeah, and I'm I'm here for it, dude. Derek Lively is has been Derek Lively so is my good. He's incredible. He's my third on the rookie of the year rankings. He's going to have a, if this keeps up, he's going to have a, an extremely long and successful career. Absolutely. Derek lively, man. Great job. Derek lively on the pod next week. I, um, I uh, did not have Dallas in my three. Well, who is your third? The nuggets, which I'm the assuming nuggets. will be coming up here for your pick at some point. Nope. They're not uh, in your top yes. five this week. They are my top five, but I've got the big curveball here at four. Oh, hit me. It's the Clippers. Ooh, this is fun. They're here. They're here. Are Kawhi, they? Kawhi and PG are playing. They're figuring it out. They have won five games in a row, seven and three in their last 10. Mm -hmm. They figured it out. It's happening. They are going. Yeah, they're, they're here, man. They're going to be good. As long as everybody stays healthy, they're fine. They're fine in the West. Big Clippers number four, book it. Big shout out to uh, Daniel Tice, a guy yeah. that I was willing to, I was more than willing to give up on. He's looked nice for them. He's a nice little connector. On the, I know people may not love that word, but like I love. Oh yeah, people are weird. Um, I, Daniel Tice has been a nice pickup for them. If you give me Zubach, Plumley, and Tice. That's fine. That's those are some those are some minutes. If you can get good minutes out of those guys, that's well. You've got so much money and star power wrapped up, uh, like out on your wings. Like mm. that's that's an incredible, like center rotation and just big rotation for the the money and cap space they're working with to provide it. Are the it's, are, are it's the, truly good. Are the Clippers going to look to make any uh, upgrades to their roster at uh, the trade deadline? Do you think, or you think they're going to roll with with Norm Powell and Terrence Mann and? They're definitely going to look if they could find a way to get some of these bench players from the 76ers, they'd be really the ones they sent to them. The ones they sent. Yeah. <laughs> if they could get those back, then they could really use 
uh, a, a Robert. Imagine Covington. how good they would be without James Harden and with all of those players they sent yeah. for James Harden. <laughs> oh my gosh, they'd be they'd probably be the second best team in the West. Yeah, Norm, anyway, Norm Powell is probably uh, the biggest X factor for me. I like him a lot um, as just like your six man. I like bringing them off the bench. He's got a lot of firepower. He can close lineups for you. Um, I'm very curious though, like how that end of the game rotation is going to be. Um, I they've think, still I, got more to figure I out. I think Ty really still figuring out a lot of the lineup situations, the ones that work and the ones that don't. Um, I just feel like you can't ever have both of Kawhi and PG on the bench. And that's fine. Their injury me. history suggests that one of them, if not both of them, is going to end up on the bench, and then you're then you then you've got what Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Terrence Mann, Norm Powell, and this is and exactly then, why I have to jam them in the the top five power rankings now. Yes, before Kawhi or PG, and and you know, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope we get full seasons. Out of I, both I, these obviously, guys. I want that, but yeah, I mean, it, but, you know, the history, history says yes. Thank you. They're gonna they're gonna find their way to the IR at some point. But hopefully not. And right now, it's Kawhi, been fun. Did Kawhi's Kawhi again, and I'm enjoying it. They can get the Chris Bruffett stamp of approval. I like they it. They absolutely have. And then that's going to bring me to my fifth team in the power rankings. That is the Denver Nuggets. Jokic is having a tough go. Explain to me what you mean by that, because this man's averaging 28, 13, and almost 10. He had a couple of rough games against the Clippers and the saying. Rockets. But are we saying he had a rough week? Give me he had a rough week. Give me that. Give me those rough numbers. If you're getting 28, 13 and 10 rough week and, and losses, man. I just, I don't know what to say. That's a tough week mm. that, you know, I did not have the Clippers in mind and I, my fifth team would, um, is not the same as yours, but let's talk about the nuggets while, since we're yeah, here, just, just real quick with the nuggets. I, they just, they need to get healthy. They're, they're just having a little bit of a rough patch. They're going, I fully expect them to be, the best team in the playing like the best team in the league by the end of the year. I'm not worried about them one bit. Mm-hmm. I think they're the title favorites. You know, they're just a little dinged up and going through a rough patch that the rookies are not there yet. They have a lot of season left to get them there. Uh, whether that happens or not will remain to be seen. But yeah, I'm I'm not too worried about them. They're just it's just been a rough week for them. I just don't. It's just like with my Nuggets standards anyway. It's just like by, by any other team that I like, and I love the Nuggets. I love the Bucks. I love the Celtics. Depth issues are a problem for them. If you look at their bench, you're like, who is? Because if one thing goes wrong, we already saw this with the Celtics when they lost Porzingis when they didn't have the rim protection. That team falls off a cliff. The Nuggets they have lost Jamal Murray. Didn't have a, a a great, there was a pretty mediocre stretch without him. I mean, Jokic played out of his mind, but the team's win-loss record was pretty, I think they were like seven and five without him. I mean, without Jamal Murray, whenever you lose one of these pieces, and these are guys who have a history of being injured, who steps up? Because Reggie Jackson should not be your backup point guard. Well, these injuries are going to open up a lot of minutes. They've got potential on their bench. They've got two or three young guys that can potentially step up and be quality starters, quality players, quality rotation players in a playoff setting. But they need time to get there. They need time to get coached up. They aren't getting there as quickly as they thought. Well, Malone doesn't like playing young guys. He never has. But now he's forced to. Yeah. So... 
you know, maybe it'll be a blessing in disguise. All right, who was your fifth team in your Western Conference power rankings? The Sacramento Kings. Like that, man. Like that beam, baby. I don't know, man. They they're they're not playing their best ball right now. Um, they they did they 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 lost last night uh, to <clears throat> to the Pelicans, I believe. Defensively, defensively, they still have a lot of issues. They should have upgraded over Harrison Barnes at the four. Um, I think OG Ananobi is is such a perfect it's a perfect fit for them. But other than that, I mean. They have problems with rim protection because Sabonis was never, he was never a rim protector. That is exactly the price you will always pay for starting Sabonis at center. And you either have to work around it or you've got to build rim protection in somewhere else. Yes. In the roster. And they just haven't. I mean, under this Mike Brown offense, they're as good as anybody not named the Indiana Pacers at offense in the entire league. You've got Malik Monk, you've got Davion Mitchell, Keegan Murray. Monk's been especially fun to watch. Monk this has year. been really good, man. That's um, awesome. And also, speaking of role players, and I'm sorry I didn't mention this before when you were talking about Dallas, but Dante Exum. Oh boy. Well, oh, I know. Welcome back to Who the league. Who saw that buddy. coming? Welcome, Great job, buddy. Welcome back to the league. I'm so glad you're here. In my mind, I had them as the number three. I believe I had them behind the Nuggets and the Lakers, and I had the Kings three, and I had the Timberwolves four in my preseason. Uh, and I did not. Yep. I mean, I feel like they've had some injury uh, misfortune. They've lost DeAndre, De'Aaron Fox, a couple, um, two different occasions. I think he said, yeah, yeah, I mean, I just don't think they've had it together long enough, but man, when they get it rolling, it is special. Just, and they haven't been shooting the ball especially well yet. No. And you, you think that that will turn around at some point this season, but you never know. I think they got to upgrade at the power forward position. I think they have to. I would agree with you. I think Harrison Barnes has been a nice piece for them. Uh, glad he's been there. Time to move on and upgrade. You got to spend a little to get a little. Scared money don't make none. Take it from Tribe. That's right. All right, folks. It's been the Orange Futures Podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, ben might be back next week. He might not be back next week. I don't know. Uh, please write into the show. If you write in, I promise we will read it or most of it on air and answer your questions. And that is orange futures. Okay. At gmail.com. Evan, thank you so much for being here, man. Uh, do you want to pitch your, your threads uh, handle or anything like that? You know, my threads handle is so annoyingly long. I'm, I'm just sure that people are going to hate it, but my threads handle is ain't that a cook in the head cook spelled K U C K and all underscores in between them. Ain't that a well, there you go. in the head, but, uh, Chris, I just want to say thank you, man. This is, this has been yeah, a man, good thanks time. Thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. And, this uh, has been fun and, uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed it.